Hello, this is Chris the Brain joining today's Off the Circle where we are talking to Harry Howe, one of the individuals who has greatly contributed to my own personal quest for world domination. entrepreneurs and business people learn from their experience and expertise and have some laughs along the way off the circle the indianapolis business scene as you've never heard it before hey uh welcome everybody to off the circle uh you just heard we have some special guests in the house today which is fantastic we need regulars too mm -hmm. you know uh and we'll we'll start around the table and then uh and get to the person in the spotlight last so ryan grimes from my it indie uh chris the brain i just introduced myself <laughs> um so i i'm uh, owner of a company called apprentice we create and manage internship and workforce development solutions for other companies i'm scott taylor i'm a pilot <laughs> You're not lying. <laughs> Scott Taylor is a good friend. Uh, was a fighter pilot in uh, the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. I never flew in Afghanistan, but many of my students did. Okay, and uh, and then uh, of course this is Doug Carr, and then the spotlight today, Harry Howe with Howe Leadership. So uh, if you've listened to shows in the past, you know uh, you've heard Harry's voice a lot, uh, but I don't think we've ever paid homage to Harry like we should have. So uh, almost everybody that I know has run into Harry. He's helped countless businesses. Uh, I think you're especially uh, incredible with youth. Um, so my daughter, you've counseled and, and mentored and everything else. And so I wanted to do a show about your story. I don't know all about Harry. And, uh, and so um, maybe start with where did you grow up and, sure. and go to school and, and everything else? All right. Well, I, I'm blushing. Thank you for that uh, <laughs> kind introduction. So uh, one of the things that is noteworthy is that I'm one of the few people who can claim to be a native of Washington, D.C. I was born in downtown Washington and uh, grew up in the suburbs, uh, went to a high school as far as i know it's the only high school in the united states named after a baseball player wow um walter johnson who was a pitcher for the washington senators back in the day that was my high school so i i grew up in the washington dc area went to bucknell university where i met my wife we uh, celebrated our 46th anniversary this past year congratulations yeah, congratulations we um moved to indianapolis well I, I should make sure that i point out that doug's path and my path crisscrossed in newtown connecticut that's right uh, back in the night well we didn't meet one another right. and and we weren't there at the same time time but we lived in the same town which uh, we surprised one <laughs> yeah, another yeah. on one occasion, Newtown, Connecticut. So uh, that was, Newtown, Connecticut was kind of the last stop in my GE career. So I worked uh, for nine years in Newtown, Connecticut, GE's corporate headquarters before moving here in 1987 to Indianapolis after GE bought RCA, consolidated the consumer electronics business here. And uh, at that point, I joined a small group of GE guys who were really zealous about beating the Japanese in consumer electronics. And you know how that ended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you served as well. I, I did, yes. Uh, at Bucknell, I went through ROTC. so. You know, we've been talking about some military things. We've got uh, a couple of veterans here. And so um, I, so when I was in high school, um, the Vietnam War was raging, how it affected me personally. There were a number of my high school buddies that were killed in the war before I even graduated from high school. Many of them right out of high school drafted oh and uh, lost their lives in service to their country. I, when, I, I wanted to um, 
pursue my college education and people were being drafted out of college. And right as I was uh, going into college, the lottery system, most people today probably wouldn't know of that, but there was such a thing as the, uh, the lottery associated with a draft where based on your birth date, a number was chosen that would tell you, you know, if you're if you were going to be drafted or not. Wow! It would kind of be the simple way of explaining it, and um, so mine from my number that that lottery was clear that I would be drafted, and I wasn't opposed to serving, but I I decided I would go through ROTC, be an officer. I did that, and then. Um, when I uh, graduated from college, went off to serve an active duty. Um, the war was winding down, and so I was only on active duty a brief time, but then served in the reserves and National Guard for many years, tw- almost 20 years. Wow. I, I went on to serve in the Guard and reserves. <laughs> what a cool time you know I had a desk dot job with GE and then on the weekends go get dirty well what was (laughs) what was interesting was because I moved around with GE um, each time I moved I affiliated myself with a local unit and so I had an opportunity to be a motor officer a um, mortar platoon leader and artillery uh, officer I you know so it, it was it was fun and enjoyable yeah. and that was before the all-volunteer army so I was it, most of that was I was serving alongside other professionals from you know college professors to it was just a lot of That's fun incredible. meeting a lot of people and and then when the all volunteer army came in um it, it changed the dynamics it didn't you know it, it was just a different set of challenges well you got rid of the guys that were ordered to either go to the army or go to jail well, I'll, <laughs> so I, i'll 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 end my military stories with with one Quick story, uh, this was uh, a weekend. It was when I was in Connecticut and I was a motor officer. And we were, uh, this was for an artillery unit and we were, we went up, we frequently uh, took the guns uh, up to Cape Cod. There was an area up there where we could fire. And it was a rainy day and we were coming back and uh, this was just as the all-volunteer army had begun, and so we had a lot of people uh, who didn't speak English who had come yep. in. And um, so as the motor officer, I was at the rear of the convoy moving the guns, and, and what happened was uh, a convergence of crazy events. It was raining, towed howitzer, flipped over on top of a car, that had been stopped on the bridge had a flat tire or something there was nobody in the car and and the driver of that vehicle couldn't couldn't speak the driver of the military vehicle couldn't speak english and so now i'm the motor officer coming up on this scene to deal with the howitzer (laughs) flipped over on top of the car nobody hurt but of course a lot of confusion and 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 howitzer was Huge, right? It was oh, on yeah. a trailer and oh, yeah. tongues. It, it just crushed. <laughs> so if you could get yeah. talk your way out of that one, yeah. pretty much everything <laughs> else is easy, right? Yeah. Sorry, we flipped over a howitzer on your so car. I, <laughs> so you know, when I'm in negotiations now. or something like that, I mean, those are the things I think back on and see if I can get through that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a good primer for working yeah. with entrepreneurs. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just fast forward uh, enough about the military but but of course it of course was great experience and and I draw upon that knowledge and experience every day I was I I tell people that is leadership in the military isn't what people think because a lot of people just think well you you just tell people what to do and they have to do it right and really you have to win the hearts and minds over right otherwise otherwise you're 
you're going to get the backlash. And the backlash is probably even worse than in a free environment, <laughs> you know, because you don't see it coming or anything. And so I always thought it was, uh, I always thought it was a, a good primer, you know, for me personally as well. Was, group dynamics. I yeah. mean, you've got officers, you've, you've got some civilians and, uh, it's collaboration, right? It, it's, it really yeah, is. Non-stop yes, collaboration. And, yeah. and you know, even though you're an officer, you don't have all of the expertise of right. some of the enlisted men. And so, right. how does all of that work? It, yeah. Huh. What was uh, what was your major in in Bucknell? So I studied business administration. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you never know. What were sometimes, you hoping for? Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes it's, yeah. sometimes it's weird. Sometimes people yeah. are like, oh, yeah. I was an oceanographer. <laughs> no, no, oceanographer. Yeah. My, my dad is a metallurgist. There you go. Here in yeah. the Midwest. And his degree is in music theory. Yeah. yeah. So. My uh, good friend, Marty Thompson, Harry knows him. Yeah. Marty is a organic biologist, I think. Um, you know, so... <laughs> So he likes, if I say anything about like GMOs or anything, he corrects me. <laughs> He's like, no, let me tell you how it works. So my dad was an architect and he had visions that I would kind of follow in his footsteps. And so in high school, I took a drafting course and it became clear very quickly that I had no aptitude. And I, I remember distinctly there was a, a girl in my class and she and I just you know, we're the worst, and we just helped one another get through that yeah. class without failing. Yeah. And uh, so it was a disappointment to my dad, but when I got uh, a, a job at GE and then ultimately at the corporate he- headquarters, he became quite proud. I, I would, I would <laughs> yeah. bet. Of course, if your designs are really bad, you could have just gone on to design opera houses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, we can keep going on that, can't we? <laughs> wait, wait, I don't know. What do you mean? Oh, there's just a, a litany of of, of um, opera houses. I can't remember the one. Well, I thought you that. were talking about this place. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. no I, there's just, uh, I don't know, uh, opera houses, a lot of new theaters have been kind of the cutting edge for you know, postmodern architectural design. Oh, yeah, that's it basically true. looks like yeah. giant crumpled paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for the acoustics, right? You're right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, and and so uh, nine years at GE headquarters. What? When did you move to Indianapolis? So 1987, we moved. I uh, w- w- had, you know, I'd been there nine years working on the corporate staff, and uh, I was ready to move on. And so it seemed like a great opportunity. Things were. They're kind of getting an A-team together to go out to the consumer electronics business here in Indianapolis. I came out and and uh, I, um, I I remember I was at work. I'd gotten um, an offer to come out for an interview, and I called my wife Grace, and I I said, "Honey, I got a, an interview in Indianapolis," and you know she said. Well, where exactly is Indianapolis? I mean, we lived our whole life oh, on the East Coast. She's from New York City and me, Washington, D.C. So we had to get out a map to uh, yeah. see exactly where, you know, we knew the general vicinity, but our Midwest geography was not uh, fresh. It was it was GE looking at this place just because the you know the old adage the crossroads of America. Well, because RCA had mm. its they bought RCA RCA had uh, its headquarters here, okay. yeah. and so there was a facility down on Sherman Drive, where uh, now it's kind of a toxic waste dump, but just, that, that's just where the uh, closed what in the last ten years? Yeah, yeah. finally, yeah. yeah. So that's where things, GE was more prominent in consumer electronics, RCA was more prominent in consumer electronics than GE, and so it kind of, the center of gravity became right here. And, and then I came out to Indianapolis, interviewed, and I told, told Grace that I would uh, give her a call at eight o'clock. Well, back in the day, we're in a different time, thing so she was upset when I called her I thought you were going to 
call me at eight o'clock. And I, I said, it is eight o'clock. She said, no, it's. <laughs> so she thought we were, you know, going into another uh, time dimension, time warp <laughs> or something. But uh, all, all that said, uh, uh, at some point we could live any, you know, could live anywhere we want. And yeah. we have enjoyed living here and, and this is our choice. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So how is the, um, you know, you, you, you've been working with businesses for a long time. How has the business landscape changed in Indianapolis uh, since you've been doing this? Yeah, great question. I, it has flourished. And so one of the things that's really been gratifying is to see how well the leaders here in Indianapolis, what they've done to encourage the entrepreneurial community. And of course, um, just in these last years we've seen the growth of the tech companies and it's just been a privilege I, I really see it as a privilege to just be here at this time to see all of this happen um, the uh, proliferation of co-working spaces lots lots of great things happening some really great business leaders and entrepreneurs coming out of it and and Indianapolis really getting some nice recognition around the the country and uh, so it's it's interesting Doug uh, you and I and and I think you Chris have been to almost all of the IBJ tech breakfast since they've yeah. been thanks to you going yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Thank, thank you you make us your guest every year it's a privilege it's yeah it's my it's my annual get up before sunrise day <laughs> but i i until until harry i didn't know the sun rose i thought it just turned on <laughs> it was really cool like see that but if we go back to the i remember one of the early ivj tech breakfast they everybody was talking about we need direct flights yeah. to in and out of Indianapolis to the West Coast and, and of course now I mean we've got that we've got so many other and there were a number of things that in those early days that people were complaining about that you know all of that is well, history well downtown was was empty right you know 20 yeah. years ago and they built the mall first and then yeah. you know and then constructed everything around it so even downtown has flourished, you know, since, since and, and now we have, now we have sections that are flourishing, you know, Fountain Square and, and yeah. um, Fountain Square was another, it was dead land over there. I read an article on the risk that the developers took was humongous on Fountain Square and now it's just taken off. Yeah. Mass Avenue, the center of culture, you know, uh, it's pretty, pretty incredible. The, and and you know I, I want to say this and and uh, I'm so glad that you came in too, Chris, because Chris has known Harry longer than anybody. Right? So I, I've been doing a lot of talking. I like to hear from your I vantage hear, point. Yeah, Chris, I want to hear but, Chris's uh, perspective on, yeah. on working with and for Harry, right? Yeah. So Harry has a lot to um, a personal blame for the whole Chris the Brain thing. Is that right? Because. Uh, <laughs> Because he legitimized my delusions right out of high school, um, so I started building I started building websites in high school, and you know I kind of had this bet going with my parents I could get a real job, you know with this talents I'm learning you know I didn't I wasn't a I just couldn't buy into the college thing at the time, uh, and you know I go out there and Harry hires me as. Uh, graphic design intern, excuse me, Capstone Technologies. And then while I'm there, it's, it's a company full of um, uh, very experienced nerds. And I, so I learned development while I'm there. I learned, um, who's the guy from Tom, Thompson Electronics? Uh, yeah, uh, Robert Simmons. Yeah, no. Um, Gary Robert Fields. Simmons, the owner. Gary Fields. Gary Fields taught me database design. Yeah. Um, and I kind of got my college education and all that while I was there. Yeah. And so I actually, so I, even though I started as kind of a web slash graphic designer, I left a developer. Um, but, you know, it, it's, I, I can't tell you what it did for me to 
meet Harry because we didn't see each other for years after that um, to to want to still talk to me <laughs> <laughs> like it was like I remember I remember as I was about to get set, so I was at um, Fat Adam Arcade and Carmel for a while um, that was my first like big dive into entrepreneurship yeah. and running a business and all that and I, as I decided to break out on my own, I was looking to build a support group around myself. And Harry was one of the people I remembered. And I called him. And it was such a relief. And I'm not exaggerating that he wanted to talk to me. Yeah. Because I don't remember myself well uh, in those early days at Capstone. Yeah. Like when I look back. I, I mean, I, I definitely had potential. And I had... Uh, I, I, there's some projects I'm very proud of during that time, but I was a mess. You know, I was still going through that initial crisis of, you know, you, you, you adults kind of paint this picture of the world as this competent, you know, well-structured place that you're going into. Yeah. It's just school, but more, right? <laughs> you paid. And then you find out that it's just crazy and no one really knows what they're doing. And there's this like <laughs> need to self-manage. And I was a wreck over the whole thing emotionally. You know, it was very, I had no self-management skills at that point. Right. I had no coping skills at that point. I, you know, none of these things. And so I look back at myself during that time and I'm just like, geez, how did he even put up with me? <laughs> and... Um, but it also then set the tone for the heart behind the company I run now. Yeah. Because I go, if it weren't for someone believing in my potential and putting up with the mess, I wouldn't have made it here. And I think more young people deserve that opportunity because young people are judged so harshly, so quickly for not being fully formed right out of high school or college. And yet culturally, adults don't take any responsibility for that. Yeah. And and I'm like, there needs to be a more structured uh, opportunity for kids to work the bubbles out of the uh, yeah. crap, you know, mm -hmm. and just you know smooth the smooth the edges and all that. And I wanted pro I wanted to provide more more young professionals that opportunity I thought I had. So that was so. Thank you, Harry, and you know that that was the big inspiration there. I, th I think it uh, draws in, a, you know, the compliment that I always pay Harry to, to everybody is, you know, there's people that lead and there's a lot of leaders here in, in, the, in, in Indianapolis and they'll tell you how to do something, how not to do something, everything else. But your mentorship, and that's what I, I think there's a big difference between leadership and mentorship. Um, you're a leader, obviously, but, but your mentorship is more, you pay very, very close attention to who we are. And then try to guide us. And some of us are really pig-headed. <laughs> I'm talking about myself here. Um, you know, and, and so I joke with people that, you know, every time that I didn't listen to Harry, you know, I had to pay Harry more to get me out of trouble. <laughs> you know, so there was a punishment along the time. Yeah. You know, but, but it really was that Harry would say, well, you know, maybe you know, perhaps you might think about it this way or, or, or this, or we have two paths that we can go, you know, and, and this and this. And I always appreciated that because it, it, you know, it paid respect to me that I was still learning and everything else, but it wasn't you saying, uh, don't, don't do that. I'm warning you, you know, because that wouldn't work right in a business relationship is you're trying to get your own confidence level up that you can run a business and everything. And, and so, um, you know, my compliment, of course, is that that soft mentorship has been amazing the last, what now, 10 years? Yeah, it's you know? been 10 years. So, and, and Doug Thies couldn't make it today, but Doug was who introduced us. And I'm, I'm forever yeah. thankful for that, that relationship. But that's, it's, it's not something that I've seen a lot, you know, uh, you know, from, from folks that are consulting with businesses and really helping people. And now you have a tagline, of course, you know, with how leadership, that's pretty funny too. Well, I, I say I help uh, business owners who become victims of their own success. Yeah, <laughs> and and I, I really like that because that's, you know, most, most of, even the trouble that I got into with the business and stuff was, it was due to, you know, a huge success, making, you know, some bad decisions and then, you know, and then having to crawl my way out of it and stuff. And you've been there all along. You know, I, I 
the other thing that I'll say, and I'm, I know I'm taking up a lot of time here, but the other thing I'll say is that uh, one of my learning curves with the business too was the friends that you think you have when you have a business and then the friends that you really have <laughs> are two different groups. You know, you surround yourself with people that you think have your best interest at heart, but maybe they're not knowledgeable or they haven't been through the same rough times or whatever. And then if things go down, you know, for me it was, you know, six years ago when the company, you know, was in turmoil, um, those people disappear, you know, and you're left with who your real friends are. And so Harry's one of those people that, you know, I have, you know, there's probably 10 different businesses and partners that when I was in real, real trouble, everybody came to my aid and said, what, what can we do to help you? And that blew me away that I actually had people that had faith in, in my ability, you know, to get back out of it. And now that I'm back out of it, you know, it really feels good to, you know, to start getting back on top again. But um, thank you for that. Well, you're, you're welcome. And it's been very gratifying to see so many businesses get through the minefield of, yeah. of running a business. And, and I know many of us feel as though the universe is against you that yeah. as soon as you, Chris, you referred to the fact that, you know, you get to make a couple steps forward and then, you know, there's some government regulation or tax come out of the woodwork that is it set you back? Yeah, uh, government mandated ball kicking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was a big learning curve, right? I, I tell a lot of people when I started my own business, one of the biggest surprises me was that the government really didn't want me to succeed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's. Yeah. But that's like startling. No, you know? it really, it really is. Like it's, um, it, it's, it's mind-boggling yeah. that, that that you know we we. And we're going to go off on a tangent, so I'm sorry. I'll try to keep it short. I don't want to distract. But it is mind-blowing. That, well, that I'll add this. Harry has kept me away from the mines in that right, right. field a but, lot. But it's, 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 it's boggling to think that we all kind of have this agreement across all parties yeah. that small businesses are necessary for the health of this country and our economy. Right. And yet we have a system that's basically a gauntlet that is constantly punishing you every step of the way for not being an expert in the bureaucracy yeah. you know and there's yeah it's like you it's like I, yeah as a small business owner you just feel like everyone's trying to stop you yeah and then you talk to like the small business administration and they say well come back when you have you know 20 employees or 25 employees it's right like, okay yeah i always tell people the biggest transition to my business was when i hired the first employee that's that's when I learned. Oh my God! Yeah, this is frightening. Yeah, if you hit you know? twenty, you've made it past the gauntlet already. <laughs> right. It's really the first one to five <laughs> yes. that are the like. This is where I might make it or fail. Yeah. But but yeah, we're not even small businesses to I, the to micro the, or your micro businesses. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard someone talk about it. Uh, it was literally this morning. I was watching a video, and you know, and, and he was saying that you know, so ninety percent of business startups fail. You know. So right there, so you got a 10% chance of survival right out of the gate, you know? And then of course you've got taxes, regulation, you know, then you've, you know, so then you pay accountants, right? And sometimes accountants do well, sometimes they don't, you know? Um, bookkeepers, uh, attorneys, uh, you know, and then if you don't, if you don't decide to get an attorney, well, guess what? You pay that price later on. If you don't have, you know, pay, pay the investment for accountants and stuff, you have that price. You have ups and downs. I joke with people that a lot of people pay attention to an entrepreneur that's made it, you know, that their business is worth, let's say a million dollars. And everybody goes, God, you know, that person's making way too much money. They need to be taxed, you know, more. But they they disassociate the nine years that they were on credit cards mm -hmm. and making, you know, <laughs> making, I joke with people that the one year that was a, a bomb for me was I made $22,000 that year and I owed the government 10. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand how this works, you know? And, uh, and but it is, it, and so you have to have folks like Harry, you know, and that's when I, you know, that's why we did this um, show was, 
you know, it's really people like Harry that have this business sense that, I mean, how many clients have you had, you know, since you've gone on? Well, I, I'm not counting, you know, was I, I don't know, maybe 50 be, or yeah. 100, something like so that. So 50, 100 clients that, that you've seen, you've run the gamut of issues and problems and everything right. else. And so the wisdom that you bring to the table is priceless for Well, I'll, I'll tell a short story on Jen. I'm sure she doesn't yeah. uh, mind me uh, telling this, but it, but it was especially gratifying to me. Uh, she had, you know, this was maybe six or eight months after she'd started Sapphire Strategy. And it was like the Friday before a three-day holiday weekend, and it was maybe 6 or 6.30 in the evening. And she called me and, and said, I, I just opened this envelope from the Department of Revenue that says I, I owe $7,000. How could this be? Where did, I thought I was doing good. And, yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, I mean, I, I had a pretty good idea what this was. I asked her to read it to me and to kind of make a long story short. It, was, it had to do with personal property taxes that they said she had filed, but I mean, she hadn't even incorporated to file any. Right. And they just arbitrarily picked a, a number yeah. seven thousand mm -hmm. dollars you know to scare scare you into yeah. to doing something and and i was uh and, and what was especially gratifying was she that would have spoiled her whole weekend right. three-day weekend yeah. right not knowing do i oh i mean it it's a legitimate letter from Department right. of Revenue, but I was able to tell her, you know, what was My, going on and and she didn't know anything. Yeah, to, to young entrepreneurs, there's a lot of very scary letters that come in the mail <laughs> that it just helps to have someone go, it looks bad, but it's really just, you know, a bureaucratic fluke. Mm -hmm. I was on a I was on a podcast and there was about six of us and I asked how many people have had a warrant out and everybody raised their hand. Because taxes, now this isn't, you know, we didn't go beat somebody up or anything. But if there's, let's say, a, a, I like the Indianapolis fire inspection is probably my favorite, right? It's $25 every quarter, I think, that you have to pay to the fire department in Indianapolis to inspect your space. But they never inspect your space, but you still pay it. <laughs> but if you don't pay it, you get a sheriff's warrant. This says there is a warrant out for you for non-payment of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the first time I got it, I was like, oh my God, what did, you know, what happened? And then I track it down and it's this $25 bill or whatever that I didn't pay. And, uh, and so we were joking in the room, you know, that every entrepreneur had had a warrant. Now these aren't warrants that they ever go take care of. It's just literally a piece of paper that scares the hell out of you. Well, I think it you know, means but, they're, they're like authorized to take the money from you. I think yeah. That's what the well, they means. can eventually. Yeah. They can they can like take it out of your account. I think that was another scary one that happened to me was one time they just emptied my account. That's it. Don't worry that you have employees or anything else. It was because of filings and stuff like that. Like I didn't file. I filed late or something, and they just they just went in and took every dime, you know and and there was a negative on my account and so i had to pay back the negative pay back the fines pay back the thing you know to get it turned back on and in the meantime i'm trying to pay employees and keep a business going you know but those are the scary you know things that yeah. you have to have someone with your knowledge because you're the first person that says okay well one calm down you know i think you've told me that a dozen times <laughs> you know and two i I know exactly what this is and here's how we'll take care of it and everything. So yeah, that's a great, that's a great example. Yeah. As a small business owner, I think we all agree that somebody needs to guide our hand, especially yeah. I mean, even now, you know, I'm not young. I've been doing this for 15 years and sometimes I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I was just joking around. It's like, if I, if I had 10 bucks for every time I said, Oh my God, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or something, some letter I got from a government agency. I'm yeah. like, come on, yeah. really? Yeah. 
And it's all necessary. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, it's all necessary. I'm not so knocking, you know, no. not knocking like fire safety and stuff. No, but the <laughs> misapply payments and yeah. all this stuff. And it's your responsibility to reconcile everything and get back to them and say, yeah, I really did pay this. Yeah. And they're like, well, okay, we'll, we'll reapply the payment. Meanwhile, you're still in the system for uh, not having paid. It reminds me of Jason and Chris, uh, my good friends, Jason and Chris, they own a coffee shop down on the south side. And uh, they, you pay a beverage tax. And so you have to file, I think it's every month. You basically have to say in Indianapolis how much percentage of taxes and give that money. And, uh, and so if you're in a retail mm -hmm. you know, environment. And so every month they filed and sent the money, filed, sent the money, filed, sent the money. One day, all the money was out of their account and their accounts frozen. And so they looked it up and the beverage tax people said, well, you haven't filed or... And so they had to go down there with the paperwork and show them, no, we filed and we paid. And they said, oh, okay, we'll fill out this form and you'll get a hearing in two months. And then, you know, and meanwhile, again, they're trying to run a business and mm -hmm. that's a lot of money, you know. Um, you know, if you're a retail outlet that's doing a lot of business, you're paying a lot in that rich tax. And, uh, and so they, they went down and went to the hearing, showed all the paperwork, and they said, yep, you're right. It's, uh, we were absolutely wrong. You know, we'll refund that money, and it'll be back in your account in 30 days. So they had to wait like another 30 days. Well, then the other thing was they wouldn't, they fined them too. They also had a fine. They wouldn't reverse the fine. And so they went to another hearing and said, you know, hey, this was all your fault. You know, can you reverse the fine? And they got a letter in the mail that said, no, you're denied. <laughs> like, and they were like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, and they just had to keep moving on and with yeah. the business and stuff, you know, but stuff like that, just in the bureaucracy, that happens to a business. Sometimes mm -hmm. you get and so you know the scary note isn't now it doesn't scare me anymore now <laughs> if someone knocks on the door i might be scared but the letters aren't scaring me anymore i'm like oh harry what is this <laughs> yeah. so harry here's a question for you um someone new starting a business and they you know they start needing some guidance to reach out to you what is the one thing you would tell them to keep in mind even if they don't elect to go with you because sure. you know sure. for whatever reason well uh, what I would tell them is there's a, a phrase that I like. It, it comes from a, a song, and it, it says, the path is worn, but it's new to you. And the meaning of it is that all of this is new to you as the new business owner, but there are people who've walked that path before many of them. And so I just encourage them to um, not go it alone. Find somebody who is willing to... Uh, be listening ear, help them along, and uh, don't think you're the first person who's done this. Take advantage of the collective wisdom of this community uh, of very helpful people who want to see people succeed. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a great. That's a I great think that's moment. very true in the small business solopreneur economy here yeah. in Indianapolis. We're all really <laughs> helping each other. That's true. Yeah. Well, and, and that's a, a good segue into talking briefly about Indie Grit Community. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll explain what that is momentarily. But so many places, uh, people are inhibited from asking the questions because everybody's saying how great things are going and you, you feel like, man, am I the only one that is struggling? <laughs> and... The reality, of course, everybody's struggling, but everybody's talking about how great things are going, and it just sets up this competitive um, thing that keep keeps on going. And it's for that we've formed and we'll be kicking off on the 27th of September Indie Grit Community, and it's a a place where you can come and everybody's going to be honest with one another That's about awesome. the, the difficulty it is of running a business and that um, it requires grit. And so we are trying to increase the grittiness of entrepreneurs so that they can be successful. And, and grit has to do with the convergence of passion and perseverance. It takes both of those things to really get through these 
difficult early days. Doug, you mentioned 90% of businesses fail in the first year. Well, I, I would venture to say that the 10% who make it are the, the ones that have grit, that passion and perseverance to get through. We will be right here at the downtown speakeasy, um, 9 to 10, 30, September 27th, Indie Grit Community. Where, where do people go online to? Yeah, out? so that is the URL, IndieGrit.community. Oh, fantastic. And for people listening outside of Indiana, if or just new to Indy, that's Indy as in Indianapolis, I-N-D-Y, not Indy as in yeah. hip and cool. <laughs> yeah. um, it will be hip and cool, too, though. I know, but it's just, that, that's like one of the worst parts about living in Indy is when someone uses the word Indy, yeah. Half the time, I'm always wrong on the context. What's your favorite indie band? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, like my neighbor? Yeah. You know, I don't know where you're going with that. Um, so, sorry, I, I'm glad you brought up indie grit. Yeah, so. so and uh, and by the way, what, one of my favorite things about Harry's use of the word grit is that it gives such a positive connotation to stubborn thick-headedness. <laughs> <laughs> Just nodding and smiling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I hope we'll have the room packed out here at the Speakeasy downtown. Go to I-N-D-Y-G-R-I-T dot community. That's awesome. And uh, you'll have all of the details there. We've got Kristen Van Busem will be speaking. Uh, Kristen is uh, just an amazing woman. Uh, and she's going to be... I think she herself is a good demonstration of grit, but in fact, she'll be telling about someone else. Um, in fact, a, a child who demonstrated amazing grit. This is a child on a coffee plantation in Nicaragua where her project Alianza uh, serves the children in the coffee lands trying to well, doing more than trying, and in, in fact, uh, breaking the cycle of poverty among these workers on the coffee plantations, working with their children, giving them a, a chance at an education. And uh, she is just an amazing woman, got the, an amazing story that she'll be sharing with us. That's awesome. If I can just pitch one more thing. Indie grit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> How long have you been waiting? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> he's been circling. Yeah, he's been circling. Oh, man, that was terrible. Uh, no, I, that's something I've, I've seen in Harry just, just in my short time with him. And, and I've worked with youth for a long time. But, you know, short-term success certainly does not predict long-term success. Yeah. And, and in order to cultivate a, uh, an environment where youth, or inexperienced or amateurs or whatever you want to call it um, are allowed access to resources and experiences and wisdom and things like that I think is extremely important obviously the, the personal connection you have with Chris uh, it's it's almost like a mechanic that sees your car which is you know broken down and you have no idea how to fix it they have they have this vision of what that car can be and and I, I, I would love for you to sort of talk to that in the sense of how how do you see those diamonds in the roughs you know like i know tech point has the extern program and things like that which i think are essential to making sure that that central indiana is a is a hundred year mm -hmm. player rather than a 10-year player type of thing and i would love to hear it because obviously you have a, sure. a, a knack for that well i think uh one of the most important things is for the young people to develop uh self-awareness because each of us has some God-given strengths. And some people, uh, young people with whom I've worked are pretty edgy looking and they are kind of right, right out there, but they, ha they have strengths and a personal brand. And um, I think too many people try to get them, get the round hole, to f the round peg to fit in the square whole and and that's not helpful it's recognizing somebody's strengths and helping them develop and and see how they can use those uh, and and contribute and er everybody can do that if people are open to um what just uh, open yeah just right? just open i i um 
I, I appreciate that. And I, I think one of the things here, there's a message for young people too, and that's that seek out folks. I What I see a lot of times is I see young people with the skills, with, with they could they could do it, but they don't ask for help. And part of it might be a little bit ego, part of it might be embarrassment, part of it might be, um, like you said, that everybody else is talking about how great they're doing all the time. And so it could be daunting to pick up that phone and, and, and say, you know, Harry, um, can you, I'm struggling, mm -hmm. can you help me with this? And what I want, what I, that's for people that know me online, I joke that I'm unemployable, um, so I don't ever have to worry about getting a job again and my clients somehow put up with me as well. Um, but the fact is, is that's why I share my struggles online is because not enough people do and everybody, like you said, everybody has them, everybody. I, you know, I'm surrounded by sales coaches that are going into incredible companies and that are failing from a sales standpoint, right? And, and great companies that have incredible marketers that are failing from a marketing standpoint. And, and so, so every, every business and, and every person has these weaknesses and, and self-doubt and, and everything else. And so when you surround yourself with people that one can identify, you know, what your strengths are and help you, you know, get in that direction, it, it's a relief. You know, it's a huge relief that, okay, I, I, I'm starting to see the light and uh, thank God I have people around me that are helping me go, you know, you can do this. We know we, we know you can do it, you know. It does require the, the individual to get out of the comfort zone, yeah. though. And, and so there's this space in what I call the discomfort zone that is where a lot of learning and, and growth takes place. And so not everyone... It, um, everyone will tell you they want to eat healthy and, and lose weight, but you've got to be willing to go to the gym and pass up the chocolate cake. Not, Amen. Every, not, every, not everybody <laughs> is, you know, is willing to do that, yeah. and that's the discomfort zone yeah. that uh, I can help you walk through. Uh, but, uh, so I'm, doing, I'm sorry, man. You need, like more, you need better body signal communication. Yeah. Right He's just going to back end you. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, the... <laughs> the the quote I've been saying to a few interns, uh, you know, the struggle last few weeks is, is is heaven is at the end of a long road through hell, and most people just kind of give up and stop while they're in it, uh, which is why I love the quote Winston Churchill had, which is, uh, if you're going through hell, keep going. Well, and the other the other thing with that is, you know, there's certainly a responsibility on the individual as they seek out help, but but. As I've seen with like the extern program, there's a there's a responsibility for those, you know, that aren't too far down the road to to pause for a moment and your self awareness that you're talking about. I think whether it is um, whatever challenge you're going through in the military, if you're you know training for an athletic event or or business, is you're self focused and you're and you're trying to to achieve something, but there's got to be a point at which you pause for a moment and and realize that there are others around you and maybe five years behind you that you might turn around and, and, and offer a, a helping hand. Right. You know. and, right. And this grit community sounds like something that you're trying to do in order to reach down from, from where you are to encourage those folks. So there's, I think there's responsibility on both sides, I guess is what I'm trying yes, to say. Yes, I, I mean, you stated it nicely, and that is the purpose of the ND grit community. Oh, great. We segued back here. <laughs> um, so I wanted to uh, just add to that pitch a little bit that one of the things that's great about um, the integrate community is that if you're used, so for everyone listening, if you're used to networking events. It's we, not it. We all hate those. Because <laughs> uh, we, we hate the, the smarminess, that icky feeling you get, um, you know, trying to tell everyone how great you are in there and you know, all that. The pit. Um, th this is a community specifically designed to be a place where um, everyone is talking about their failures and everyone is there to be encouraging and it, it's it's you know you are rewarded yeah. socially for um, showing off your weaknesses that's awesome not punished for it and we and by the way for everybody listening we will have links in the show notes uh, to both uh, Indy grit community and uh, how leadership so 
I think we well, talked it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I've I told uh, my wife Grace that uh, I was going to try and stay humble uh, <laughs> after this episode and. Uh, <laughs> Since Chris is here, I know that'll take place. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're. I think you you've earned the right to, to you know go past that point. Yeah, yeah. Like I think so too. I think you're in the victory lap phase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, and I'll, I'll start. I mean, thank you, thank you for all the help that you've given DK New Media and me over the years, and now Jen and you know I think all of our employees that you touched, and uh, it was. It was it was great, you know, for me. A lot of times, I'm not the most empathetic person, so, you know, when I was telling my employees go talk to Harry, you know, I knew that you know they were going to get sound advice and wise, you know, wisdom from you that they weren't going to get from me. So, I appreciate all the years that we've worked together, and, and thank you heartily for that. Thank you always for asking how I'm doing. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, whenever we come into the room, the other day, hey Ryan, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, it's not anything else. It's you know, it, it's personal attention that makes you know cuts through all the BS of all the stuff we're going through. It's like, oh yeah, I am human still. <laughs> so thank you very much. <laughs> I was just thinking that was such a great like uh, uh, tagline or business pitch for Harry. So if you're one of those dick business owners that knows you need to be better to your employees, outsource your empathy to Harry Howe. <laughs> Reasonable rates. Reasonable rates. I'm not going to say that that's not, not accurate. I think you might have nailed it there. I just think that's a great ad. A case study right there. Yeah. I know I needed to treat my employees better, but I'm just not, I'm not, <laughs> I just not that kind of. <laughs> so Harry, <laughs> Harry helped uh, uh, improve that for us. I used to, the joke with my kids was always, I'd say, you know, I'm not the kind of dad that's going to show up when you're, you need a ride home. And, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. No, no, but uh, thank you. Uh, and everybody, like I said, uh, we will have it in the show notes. Uh, Scott, thanks for joining us uh, for the first of many. So yeah, I, I hope to return. Yeah, uh, and and, and uh, by the way, don't bury the lead on the pilot thing. Yeah, yeah. In today's world, that puts you either at the top or the bottom yeah, of the pilot. Yeah. So fighter pilot up here, yeah. Delta pilot down here, FedEx pilot in the middle. There. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, thank thanks for joining us, and uh, and Scott's been. Uh, I'm going to brag up him a little bit. He's been instrumental. Uh, uh, he is working with FedEx and working on veteran recruitment and, and everything else. And he's a, a close ally in the because he's a veteran himself. But uh, he and his wife in the veteran community here in town, and they're uh, playing a, a, a great leadership role there. So thank you for that. Yeah, and that's uh, certainly if you know the grit that Harry's talking about. You know, there it's the military is an interesting model for that. You know, it's that's primarily what you're getting and, and you yeah. have to accomplish a mission and 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 for those that are looking to hire folks and and whatnot you know the, they're they're definitely a diamond in the rough you just have to give them direction uh, yeah so yeah so that's it that's all we got parting yeah. parting wisdom harry well my my final thought is that it's helpful to maintain a long-term perspective and so i just didn't encourage if you are uh, going through a, a rough patch uh, look up, get that long-term perspective. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Yep, thank you. If you're an Indianapolis-based professional and would like your story to be heard on Off the Circle, contact us at offthecircle.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a glowing review. Off the Circle is recorded at DK New Media's podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis.